This is from Psalm 103, verses 6 to 14, and then we'll jump over to Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 17. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows we are made of remembering that we are dust. And then from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 17. This is talking about Jesus. When he entered Capernaum again after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered together there that was in that, so that there was no more room, not even in the doorway. I just don't drink enough water in the winter. Uh, but, okay, there were so many people speaking the word to them. And, he came, and they came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And so right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit they were thinking like this within themselves. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he got up, he took the mat, and he went out in front of everyone. And as a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Jesus went out again beside the sea, and the whole crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And then passing by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up, and he followed him. And while he was reclining at the table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who were following him. And when the scribes who were the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard this, he told them, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you for preserving your word for us. And may my words about it be true and beautiful and right, and may they honor you and nourish us this morning. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen. If, if you have been to my house, and there's a chance that you've met my favorite creature in the entire universe. Anybody want to guess? My dog, yeah. Cory, the most perfect German Yepherd that's ever existed. Most people call that breed a German Shepherd, but that makes no sense. It's a German Yepherd. And she's perfect. She's never done anything wrong in her life, ever. I mean, 
except for the times that she's done something wrong. But for the most part, like, Corey is absolutely perfect. She's the most perfect creature that's ever existed. Now, Robin and Alex, my roommates, who also know Corey pretty well, they've met her a few times, they like to point out that I have a very short memory when it comes to Corey doing something wrong. In fact, one day I looked at Robin and I said, is Corey not the most perfect creature you've ever met? And there was a pause. And I didn't like the pause. And I said, I, I dare you to say one thing about Corey that she does wrong. And Robin said, I feel like I'm under duress. I said, there will be no consequences. And then she named something that's not even true because Corey would never do that. And then there was duress. And so Corey is perfect, except for when she's not. And why do I treat her this way? Why do I act as if my dog can do no wrong? It's because I love her and I delight in her. So even when she does something wrong, I want to be quick to forget it. Because I just want to get back to playing with her. I want to get back to, you know, watching her tail wag and her ears perk up and all of those things. Like, I don't enjoy disciplining my dog. I don't enjoy that she gets in trouble. And most of the time, if you ask me about my dog, I don't remember any of the bad things. It's just, I just love her so much. And at the risk of making me God in this metaphor and my dog all of you, <laughs> that is a lot, I think, how the Lord actually feels about us. This is the way I feel about my dog. Last week, I said to you what David says in poem, Mark shows us in story, and the same is very true today. We're continuing on in Psalm 103, a really beautiful psalm of David. And we're, and we're seeing the same thing again. What David tells us through poetry, Mark shows us in story. So David speaks of God like this. God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he says, like a parent, he has compassion towards us sinners. And then Mark says, do you want to know what that looks like? So Mark tells us these two stories that are side by side, and they really do have a lot in common. The story of the healing of the paralytic, and then the story of Jesus forgiving and sitting with sinners and tax collectors. So the story of the paralytic, it's an amazing story. And really what should happen is an aside in the middle of it, and Jesus should break the fourth wall and wink at the camera and come back. Because Jesus knows exactly what he's doing when the religious leader's in the room, and he says to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. And they rightfully say, only God can forgive sins. To which Jesus goes, I know. Are you really not seeing what's happening here? So this is a story that shows us, because God is gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, able to forgive our sins as far as the east is from the west. And Jesus comes and shows us, this is what it looks like. And Jesus, being God, has the right to forgive sins. And he shows great love, great grace, great compassion, to this paralytic man, it's a really beautiful thing. And it teaches us that Jesus has the right to forgive sins. The second story shows us how Jesus interacts with sinners. The first story shows us, yes, there's great power, there's grace, there's all of that. But that story is not as meaningful. If that man picks up his mat and walks away and Jesus is like, all right, I forgive. But I don't really hang with those who need forgiveness. The second story, we have Levi, who's also Matthew, the one who writes the Gospel of Matthew. He's a tax collector. And tax collectors are bad people. I don't know why pastors try and soften that. They are people that embezzle, they swindle, they lie, they cheat, and they do it to their own people. They're in cahoots with the oppressive Roman government, and they harm their own people repeatedly. And then when you use the phrase sinners and tax collectors, that phrase pretty much sums up anybody who's not bothering to even attempt to obey the Torah. People that make life difficult for the faithful. They're difficult people. And Jesus shows us, do you want to know what it looks like to see a God who's compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love? I break bread with. 
I spend time with, I get to know. I don't just let you come through the ceiling and say, okay, you're good, go on your way. Instead, I come to you. I come into your home. I spend time with you. I love you. I want to draw near to you because I am actually loving and compassionate and gracious. The reality is, is I love Corey very, very much. And Corey has rules and boundaries because I love her. She has rules and boundaries. Like, I think so many times we teach these stories about Jesus' love and compassion, and we can go too far and make it seem as if he's unconcerned about our sin. That is certainly not true. Corey has rules and boundaries because I love her, because if she doesn't, she could get hurt or someone else could get hurt. You do not want to own a German shepherd and not train a German shepherd. You've just unleashed something very dangerous into the world, and that's not loving at all. The reality is, is Corey has rules. She just doesn't always obey them. But when she doesn't, I do correct most of the time. I do correct my dog because of my great love for her. But my correction of her doesn't cloud my affection, my love, my desire for good and goodness toward her, just like God's correction toward us. Do we have boundaries and rules? Certainly. Certainly. But Christ in this story, Mark, shows us what the Trinity is actually like. Gracious enough to forgive sins, powerful enough to heal, and loving and compassionate enough to want to be with us through it all. God with us is not just a theological statement. It's a desire of God's heart. God wants to be with you. Would we receive that enough to desire to be with him? That's the question that I'm asking myself and I'm asking us this morning. Let's pray. God, you are good. And you have demonstrated your goodness, not just through the Psalms of David, but through the stories of your son and shown us what you are like. And it's easy to understand the love of an owner to a pet. But it is so much bigger and more beautiful and life-changing to try and comprehend your love. And yet you show us time and time and time again that you love us, you want to be near to us, that you are, in fact, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Would you help us to trust that, to draw near to you, to sit with you, to dine with you, so that we may be changed by that love you have for us? We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And God's people said,